So we are going to, um, I'm going to kind of nerd out on you guys today, show you where, uh, how I get some of the stuff that I get. And we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about the aura, the human aura. Uh, I know that's a word that's going to trigger people. I had to laugh. I put some posts on Facebook. I mean, religious people crack me up, man. Uh, and I guess what cracks me up about them is that they're so easily challenged and, and you can say the smallest thing to create cognitive dissonance. And you know, by the way, they come back at you that they really aren't very secure in what they believe, that you've created that dissonance. And I'm not, you know, I'm not using my Facebook page. I'm not targeting anybody. I'm not thinking about anything. Uh, let's be against something. My goal is to just share ideas, uh, put out stuff in the pool of information <clears throat> and, uh, but it's so funny to watch people get triggered. And so I, I was talking about this difference between sinful and redemption spirituality or a spirituality that begins with the idea that we're, we're sinful, that we're wrong, that our hearts are rotten to the core or whatever. And we need to change versus a creation spirituality, which we're going to talk about when we get into the aura and we get into the working of miracles. It's all rooted in creation spirituality. And I found, here's the interesting thing that I found. Now, when we were in the charismatic movement, uh, you guys have heard me say we had all kinds of signs and wonders and, you know, healings on various different levels. We had some successes. We had a lot of failures. Uh, but we had probably more manifestation and more signs and wonders than any other place that I was familiar with. But with, you know, maybe a couple of exceptions. But we were doing that all from this sinful redemption spirituality governing frame. And what I found is that when you shift out of that sinful redemption governing frame and you move into a creation spirituality frame, those things are actually easier. It's actually easier to work miracles. It's actually easier to heal and to get healed. Coming from uh, a foundation of creation spirituality and original blessing versus original sin. So anyway, I, I put a post out there that, you know, um, when you when you root your spirituality in the creator and in creation, then all of the world becomes uh, sacred and all of it becomes magical. And sure enough, uh, somebody who's very rooted in the teaching of original sin, foundation of everything he teaches and posts on Facebook, and I don't even really know who this guy is. He just showed up and started commenting on my stuff and goes around comments in all caps, like all angry. So I don't know. I don't know what his issues are. But anyway, he said uh, the word magic is misleading. Because he got triggered by the use of the word magic. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about how deep the... Uh, <laughs> uh, if Michelle's watching, she's a psychologist. Um, uh, think about how deep the pathology is in someone that a word, a simple word like magic, triggers a response so that they feel like they have to go on someone's Facebook page that they've never actually met and tell them they're wrong <laughs> for using the word magic. So I thought we'll have more fun today. We'll use the word uh, aura because aura, what, what, when you think about aura, somebody, somebody type in, when you think about aura, what, what comes to mind? What, what is the aura? Throw out some ideas if you have some. Or not. Maybe I just can't see. You know, I, I bet I just can't see the, the comments. That's that's my problem. I bet. So most people, when they think about the aura, they, they think about this, uh, like like you can go to uh, metaphysical fairs, right? You can go to metaphysical fairs, and they always have these aura cameras, which which kind of cracks me up. Um, and I can't remember what the, what the camera is, but people want to get a picture of their aura. And uh, so, you know, it... it, it 
shows the light and whatever that's around you because the cameras that they have is able to somehow perceive that those subtle energies. And that's about the only thought, maybe, that people really give to their aura uh, beyond that. Or maybe there's, a, you know, somebody who calls claims to be psychic or have the gift of second sight or something that says they can see your aura. Or maybe sometimes you've seen that. But it's not really a, a concept that gets opened up for us or that has any real practical meaning. We go get our picture taken, we see it, and then maybe they interpret it for us. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, I have a good friend that goes every year and gets the picture cha- taken to see how uh, the aura has changed. And it's it's almost, in some of that, it's almost like treating this thing like it's... Um, like it's just cool, like it's just a novelty, but also like it's like it's set, like it's fixed, like it's solid, which is to completely misunderstand aura to begin with. Now, the term aura, uh, if you look, if you look it up, like even in Wikipedia, it says it's a new age concept, a new age term. They use a lot of subtle pejorative terms like, um, pseudoscience and stuff like that. But the term actually, you, you might be interested to know, the, the person who made, who popularized the use of the word aura is a guy named Charles Webster L- Leadbeater. It's kind of an interesting last name, huh? Leadbeater. <laughs> and he popularized, popularized the use of it in the last century. But the interesting thing about him was he was a priest. Now, he left the Church of England, but he was a trained and ordained priest within the Church of England. Now, he later became, uh, joined the Theosophical Society, which was Madame uh, Blavatsky's uh, <clears throat> movement there at the beginning of the last century. And you can read and study about that. But it was really through Theosophy and uh, Leadbeater. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. Uh, that the term aura began to be used. So let's, let's, let's take a step back and, uh, and let's talk about the, nature of the universe according to scripture, according to the Bible, and according to mystics, what mystics have told us. And then maybe we'll look a little bit according to maybe what some scientists have said. So I have some of my uh, study materials here, because uh, this is going to directly tie into the aura and into the working of miracles. But I want to lay a foundation for it, because I know I'm already triggering religious people. And so I just want to show you how crazy the religious mind can be, because you can use a word like magic, you can use a word like aura, and they're going to get triggered, and they're going to label you, oh, that's just New Age. Because, see, if they can label you, they can dismiss you. If they can label you as New Age, if they can label you as a heretic or whatever, they can dismiss you. And so this is going to be fun to look at what their scriptures actually say, because then it becomes a little bit harder to be dismissive, right? Now, for me, um, you know, I've, I've changed my my thinking, my relationship with scripture. I don't feel beholden to it anymore as final authority. I don't believe at all that it's inerrant. I don't believe it has to be the source, the total source of our faith or the rule of our conduct. That's actually idolatry. That's biblical idolatry. Uh, The writers of the Bible themselves would be horrified. So I I no longer view them as just these somehow sainted people that stepped out of heaven and somehow were christened by God to dictate word for word what God wanted mankind to know and obey and follow for all of eternity. I think that God actually gave us uh, the ability to think and reason and feel. I think he wants 
uh, ethics to rise and be rooted out of communities. I think he wants us to be in relationship and connection, God, the source, the divine, uh, he, she. Uh, she wants us to be in connection, wants us to be in community, and wants some of these things to happen more organically. I think we need to think through ethical issues and solve our own problems in a lot of ways. <clears throat> And so, and I think we can be just as inspired. I think we can also be mystics. I think we can also have encounters. I think that, uh, you know, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and the Spirit that I send is going to is, be the Spirit of Truth that will lead you and guide you into all truth. He never said when I, uh, you know, it's expedient for you that I go away because I'm going to send you the Apostle Paul, and he's going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He never said it's expedient for me to go away because I'm going to send you a book because most of them were illiterate anyway. And in fact, if you look at Jesus' life and teachings from the framework of creation spirituality and you see him as a Middle Eastern mystic, then he's connecting people to each other. He's connecting people deeply to creation. He's rooting them deeply in their lives and deeply into the divine source. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I feel absolutely no loyalty whatsoever to the Nicene Creed or the church creeds. I feel absolutely no loyalty to orthodoxy uh, to tell me how to think and how to believe because all orthodoxy is and all tradition is is peer pressure from dead people. Uh, we demand progress in every facet and area of life except in the thinking along spiritual things. And so I'm no longer in bondage to that. I'm no longer in those boxes. Um, orthodoxy was responsible for the Crusades. Orthodoxy was responsible for the Inquisitions. Orthodoxy was responsible for practical genocide. It was the conquistadors who came over that, that really wanted to conquer the lands of the natives under the banner of Christianity, Orthodox Christianity. So if you want to be the defender of that and you think that if deviating from that is being on the wrong side of history, then feel free. God bless you. Um, so I'm just letting you know where I'm at. But that doesn't mean that I don't study. So I'm going to show you a couple things. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Uh, back to the aura. So this book is called uh, Aramaic Light on Genesis. It's written by two uh, incredible scholars. The um, first one was born and raised and spoke Aramaic and was from the Middle East, born and raised in the Middle East before he got his doctorate in theology. And the second guy was his student uh, for 10 years, both PhD level um, guys in terms of uh, translations and scriptures. And they're looking at the Gospel of John, I'm sorry, the Gospel of Genesis in light of how it would have been written and understood in Aramaic or in the time of Jesus. And, and I just thought there was some really interesting things here. Um... Uh, that he says about God. So I'm going to read you just the first part. Um, of course, our translations in Genesis 1-1 say, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And it says here, the Aramaic text reads, God created the heavens and the earth in the very beginning. Now, it sounds like a subtle difference, but listen to how he, he brings this out, or how they bring this out. God is the subject of the sentence, and heavens and earth are the direct objects of the verb, created. The author informs us that the heavens and earth were created from the very beginning. That is, before the present cosmic system as we now know it came into existence. In other words, the substance of heaven and earth were always in existence 
before the measuring of time. So here's what he's saying. He's saying that outside of time, we say God exists outside of time, right? So there is no past, present, or future. That time is a construct that's part of this uh, level of consciousness and, and physical world that we live in. What he's saying here is that the way the ancients understood the scripture, the way they understood it in their own language, was that the substance, the spiritual essence of heaven and earth existed out of outside of time with God and always existed. Uh, this is so cool. He goes on, he says, literally, the first verse reads, and then he, he types it out in Aramaic, so I, I can't speak it or read it. And then, and then he translates it. Literally, the first verse reads, God created the essence heaven and the essence earth in the very beginning. The Aramaic word Yah means being, substance, existence, essence. <laughs> in Hebrew, however, the word et, which is an untranslatable grammatical term, refers to the direct objects of the verb, the heavens and the earth. Um, I just want to emphasize that, though. He says... Literally, the verse, first verse reads, God created the essence heaven and the essence earth in the very beginning. Now, when he, when he talks about, when he defines God here, he says, uh, among Semitic peoples of the Near East, no attempt was made to comprehend or define the mystery of God, nor did they question the existence of God. Now, listen to this. The closest meaning Westerners might understand concerning the Godhead is that it, it is the foundational principle, presence, substance, or premise on, upon which the entire universe and humanity subsists. The closest meaning Westerners might understand to the Godhead is that it, it, it is the foundational principle, presence, substance, or premise upon which the entire universe and humanity subsists. Then he goes on to talk about, in Genesis chapter 1, how this essence is the, the waters that, that uh, the Spirit of God is hovering over. So when you're reading Genesis 1, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, or he created the essence heaven and the essence earth, and it was without form. So it's this spiritual substance. It's this. It's it's like this energy is the best way I would know how to describe it in modern terms. That did not have. That's the sea. That's the waters that the spirit of God is hovering over. According to these guys who are reading the scriptures in the original text and understanding it in its ancient Near Eastern culture. Then they have they have a whole section here: essence without form. And it says here, the two Semitic words that describe the idea that the earth was chaos are to and woe. These words mean to be empty of a specified form as we know form, but not lacking in essence. Its essence is spiritual, eternal, and indestructible, but the form is changeable, temporal, and destructible, and depends on the substance that governs it. Now I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm just, like I said, I'm geeking out, kind of nerding out. So this, same guys, Aramaic light, uh, let's see if you can see that, Aramaic light on the Gospel of John. Uh, let's see what I got here. Yeah, here's how he defines word. In the beginning was the word, right? In the beginning was the logos. Now, in the that's the Greek word, logos, in the... Um, Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke, the language that John spoke, and uh, 
probably, you know, there's good argument that it's probably the original copies of John's Gospel were in Aramaic. It says, according to the Aramaic text, the emphasis is on the word. The writer uses the Semitic term miltha, and uh, in Aramaic, miltha is a feminine word. Miltha is a feminine word, so uh, it, it's it's feminine. So there's the divine feminine right there. In the beginning was the miltha. But here's how he defines miltha. He says, uh, uh, it can mean word, saying, sentence, utterance. But he says right here, he defines it as um, thought, reason. And I love this. He says, mind, energy, right here, right here, mind, energy. <laughs> So again, Christians get triggered because you use the word mind, because uh, uh, you talk about mind, energy, or you talk about energy, period. You talk about magic, you talk about auras, you talk about source, you call God source, or you talk about the divine feminine. And it's right there in their text and in their books, but they're so blinded by their own dogma, they can't even see it. So anyway, okay, I'll get off that. Um, and then the, the last thing I wanted to, to point out was this book, excellent book. It's called The Divine Matrix. It's by Greg Braden. Now, Greg was a scientist that worked on the um, SDI, the Star Wars Defense Initiative, in the 80s. Uh, made tons of money doing it, made enough money that he could retire, and then um, began to tour uh, the world, talking to mystics uh, from around the world. And then he brought together and bridges together the ancient mystical traditions, the ancient spiritual traditions, with, the, uh, with, with science. He's a brilliant guy. Sometimes his books don't bring out his actual brilliance because, you know, when you have an editor publish your book, it becomes their property, and they have to trim down a lot of the real science and stuff that's in there to make it readable to folks like me. But we've had the chance to be in meetings with Greg, and he's absolutely brilliant, and he shows you the published research and the papers and does a very thorough job. So I really trust him as a researcher uh, and think he's a, a tremendous gift to humanity. So, again, it's the book, The Divine Matrix, uh, Bridging Space-Time, Miracles, and Belief is the subtitle. And I want to just read something from the um, the introduction here. He has a quote from Max Planck, <clears throat> who's one of the originators of quantum theory. Uh, in fact, he calls him here the father of quantum theory. But anyway, here's uh, Max Planck's quote. He says, all matter originate, originates and exists only by virtue of a force. We must assume... Behind this force, the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. With these words, Max Planck, the father of quantum theory, described a universal field of energy that connects everything in creation, the divine matrix. The divine matrix is our world. It is also everything in our world. It is us and all that we love, hate, create, and experience. Living in the divine matrix, we are as artists expressing our innermost passions, fears, dreams, and desires through the essence of a mysterious quantum canvas. But we are the canvas as well as the images upon the canvas. We are the paints as well as the brushes. In the divine matrix, we are the container within which all things exist. The bridge between the creation of our inner and outer worlds and the mirror that shows us what we have created. 
This book is written for those of you who long to awaken to the power of your greatest passions and deepest aspirations. In the divine matrix, you are the seed of the miracle as well as the miracle itself. But the point being, here's a scientist who's saying the same thing that these scholars are saying that John said 2,000 years ago that was in the book of Genesis, which was even more ancient than that. Now, let's come back to this. The two Semitic words uh, describe that the earth was in chaos, or toe and woe. Those are the two words. These two words mean to be empty of a specified form. Think about this in regards to you now. To be empty of a specified form, as we know form, but not lacking essence. Its essence is spiritual, eternal, and indestructible, but the form is changeable, temporal and destructible, and depends on the substance that governs it. Let's say that again. But the form is changeable, temporal, and destructible, and depends on the substance that governs it. Psalm 139, one of the verses in there, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I saw your substance. <laughs> so if, if everything that was created, everything in creation, everything in the universe is held together by this divine matrix, this field of energy, this essence, this substance, this force, the, this intelligent force that Max Planck is talking about, or the logos, the divine energy, uh, mind energy, I'm sorry, mind energy, the mind energy of God, and everything existed from eternity past in essence, in substance, but not substance like we think about it, but like invisible substance, then that includes you. And what they're saying here in, in what, what they're saying that, you know, John was saying in the Gospel of John, this essence, this substance governs the form. So, so in, other, in other words, everything has an essence, everything has an invisible substance that is outside of time, that exists outside of time. <clears throat> and then from that invisible essence or substance, things are brought into form. Now, this form is changeable and destructible, but the essence governs it. The essence shapes it. The essence molds it. That includes you. That includes your essence. That means that you have an essence that exists outside of time. Now, in the New Age circles, we call this the higher self. In the Bible, they call it the self that is in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3, before I, uh, the foundation of the world, I chose you in Christ. Well, Christ is not the man Jesus. Christ is the Logos. Christ is the divine cosmic mind energy out of which everything was made out of this invisible substance that I've been showing you uh, from these books by scholars, Bible scholars, that was there in the Bible all the time. So you have a substance, an invisible substance, invisible essence that exists outside of time, that is the higher self, that uh, governs the form. So your body is the form, but not just your body, because we're talking about the aura. You also then have an energetic field, an energetic signature that you carry. So, so the first part of your aura then is the invisible substance out of which you came into being. It's the part of you that made a decision to come here, the decision to be born here, a decision that you came here to experience something, you came here to do something. You made the decision to leave the realm of eternal, of the eternal, 
of that which was outside of time and space and take on form and be born to whom you were born to, to connect with the people that you connected with, to, uh, I know that's good news for some of us and maybe not such good news. <laughs> In some other cases. Uh, but do, do you get it? And, and, and so that's the first part of this. But then you also have this thing called consciousness. So the way I would break it down is you have you have at least four different bodies, four different systems that are working inside you. You have the governing system of this eternal substance of your higher self. You have a thought body. You have a thought body. You have a vehicle of uh, the, the heavens that you live under. Like like the comic strips do this perfectly, because in the comic strips, the old comic strips when they were speaking. They would have a bubble coming out of the mouth. But when they were thinking, they would put a cloud over their head. And it's brilliant because it's speaking to us. The cloud, the heaven that you live under, is contained in your thought body. The energy, the container of your consciousness. Your thinking mind, your thinking consciousness, determines the atmosphere that you create around yourself. It determines the atmosphere you, that you create for other people, right? So when you get triggered about a word and you got to be cranky, an angry, curmudgeon, religious person, and you have to go on somebody's Facebook page and rebuke them, <laughs> what kind of atmosphere, what kind of energy are you bringing and you're releasing? That's coming out of that thought body that you have. So an open heaven, then in a certain sense, is an open mind. <laughs> a heaven that's been split is a thinking process that has been split and open so that maybe new light and new revelation can come in. So if you don't have an open mind, you're never going to grow. You're never going to develop. You're never going to change. And so it behooves us to not be so prideful and, and close-minded because that's an energy. That's part of what we're creating around us. Your thoughts are energy. So you have a thought body. It's made up of the stories that you tell yourself. What are the stories? What What is the role that you play? What character do you play in the story of your life? And how do you tell the story of your life? That is a good indicator of what's in your thought body. Then we have an emotional body. Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body in his books. But we don't just have a pain body. We have a emotional body. Now, all of this is flowing from that invisible substance. All of this is flowing from that invisible essence that exists outside of time and space. The you that Paul said is in Christ, or what the New Agers and other belief systems call the higher self. <clears throat> it's giving life. It's giving generation. It's giving force to this. And then you are forming throughout your life your thought body, which becomes part of your aura. And you are forming throughout your life uh, your emotional body. <clears throat> Your habitual emotions, your emotional triggers, the way you respond to things, that is also very energetic. That's blending and working with all this stuff to form this thing that we call the aura. And then, of course, you have your physical body. Uh, so all the energy that you take in, what you eat, the exercise, uh, what you put into your body, is making up the energetic structure of your bodies. And then you have what a lot of mystics call the etheric body. Now, the etheric body, uh, I, I can feel my etheric body all the time. I don't know if you guys can. I mean, but I'm, I'm very, very sensitive to it. But you, you, you can just feel that energy that extends beyond your, 
being. I, I can tell when I get into someone's etheric body or they get into mine or my aura. I've just learned to become sensitive to that, and I'm sure you can too. One of the ways maybe you can sense it is if you're around a couple that are in a fight <laughs> and you walk into the room and you can feel the tension. You've ever walked in the room and you said, I can feel the tension? You didn't physically feel that tension. You felt that tension from your aura. You felt that tension from your energetic body. Now, here's the sad thing. We don't give our aura any thought, but developing your aura, crystallizing your aura, strengthening your aura, and, I'm, and for aura, I'm saying the aura then is the blending of all these bodies together into an energetic signature that you carry or energetic signatures that is not solid in the way that we think about something being solid, but it does have form, but it's very malleable form. It's spirit, it's wind, it's water, it's, it can be directed and, and it can be altered. Uh, the development and crystallization of your aura is probably the single most important thing in spiritual work that you can do. And nobody talks about it. We only talk about the aura in terms of taking a picture, seeing it, oh, I can see it, oh, isn't your aura cool, oh, their energy is this, their energy is that. But taking responsibility for your aura learning to crystallize and strengthen and build up your aura, learning how to extend your aura and withdraw your aura is absolutely the key to manifesting the eternal in the world of form. You came here for an eternal purpose. That part of you that stepped out of Eternity, that part of you, your essence and your substance, said, I'm going to go live as Aaron Tomlinson. See, Aaron Tomlinson isn't me. Aaron Tomlinson is the form that the eternal me is taking in this life. So my higher self made the decision, I'm going to go live life as Aaron Tomlinson for probably lots of reasons, to learn some things, to grow, to evolve, but also for a purpose. All of that's in your essence. All of that's coded and recorded inside of you. Uh, then you get recordings and programmings in this world of form and in this world of polarities that confuses us and causes us to forget who we are and why we're here. And for some reason, that's also part of the journey. And so waking up then is waking up to the fact that I do a lot of what I do as Aaron Tomlinson because of the way Aaron Tomlinson was raised and Aaron Tomlinson's life experiences and the way Aaron Tomlinson thinks. But I also have this destiny, this purpose that I'm supposed to live out that's locked up inside my aura. So again, your aura is the key, really your key to all of this, because it is your connection to that eternal realm of essence. It is your connection to the Logos. It is your connection to the mind energy of God. And it is your connection to what Greg Braden calls the divine matrix. So without being responsible for it and developing it, you are missing out on so much. Now, here's the other reason that that's important. Because we're all connected in this divine matrix, then there is always a flow or exchange of these energies that's taking place. What I'm sharing with you right now, a lot of it's coming out of my thought body, right? Uh, my thought body's been formed by a lot of this stuff. So I'm sharing the energy. It takes energy to study this stuff out. So I'm sharing with you the energy of my thought form of my thought body and then you have the opportunity to decide whether or not you want to assimilate it make it part of your 
thinking. You get to decide if it's helpful for you. You get to decide if it fits for you. You get to decide if it helps you in any way, shape, or form. The moment you do that, though, you're taking on my energy. You're taking it on. And same thing from you uh, is just you guys being here and you guys commenting. Uh, that's coming from your energy. That's coming from your heart. That's coming from, and I feed on that in the sense that when I read those things, I go back and I read those things, it strengthens me. It empowers me. It encourages me. It encourages me. It, it puts courage inside me. So that courage is coming from you guys. It makes me feel love. That, that love is coming from you guys. So I'm taking that energy. When I do that, I'm taking part of you. I'm taking a part of you into myself. So, so every communication and every exchange is an intercourse. <laughs> it really is. It's an intercourse. Uh, and out of intercourse comes life. And so as we do this together, and this is why I said at the beginning, I don't think God, God wants us to draw from the wisdom of Scripture. God wants us to draw from the wisdom of science. God wants us to draw from the wisdom of all the great minds and all, this, all the not-so-great minds. And, and, and we chose to come here together, so we've got something to do together. So we should be able to come together as a community and have this exchange, this intercourse that then gives birth to our ethics, that then gives birth to the way that we govern and live our lives. And, and that's why it's so sad that you can't have real dialogue today because there's so much division because people are so sure that they've got the truth, that they've got it right, that they're the awakened ones. And that other out there, they're not the awakened ones. And then we fight over this stuff. We fight over politics. We fight over religion. We're fighting over the damn virus. And, 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 and I get it. I understand because there's so many competing stuff. Uh, and so all of that, though, what does that do? That gives birth to strife. That gives birth to violence. That gives birth to riots, which there will be. I'm predicting there's going to be. I, I, I think there will be. I told you, uh, Palm Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised if war came out of this. Now, I hope not, because because we got to understand that that's this intercourse. So I'm giving it to you on a macro scale. I'm giving it to you on a micro scale. Here's why. Because without knowing how to... Oh, Jesus. Shelter, let's put it that way, without knowing how to shelter. <laughs> think about intercourse and then think about sheltering the part of you that participates in that exchange of energy. But I'm talking about in communication and in interaction on an invisible, unseen level with the world around you that you can give out and feed on the energy of everything that is around you. So most people walk around, because they have no concept of the aura, a lot of people walk around from an auric, <laughs> sorry, from an auric as a metaphor with their pants down. <laughs> and here's what I mean. They're completely ignorant of the flow of energy that's taking place, and so they're wide open to just receiving whatever comes around them. And and and, and some people that, that do this, they just they have a new term for it. They call themselves empaths. The problem is not that you're an empath. The problem is you don't know how to close stuff. You don't know how to protect yourself. Because and I don't blame you. I'm not I'm not I'm not on you at all. Nobody is freaking talking about this in spiritual circles in practical sense. And definitely not in any kind of Christian circles at all. So you're having this exchange of energy and you're taking on other people's stuff. Um, it's like going around having intercourse with everybody on an energetic spiritual level. 
Think about that. Uh, so you've got to learn then how to crystallize and strengthen and be aware of your auric field. And you've got to know when something invades your auric field that isn't you. Because otherwise you're going to take on the characteristics. You're going to start taking on the characteristics just like just like from intercourse, just like when you have a baby, it takes on the genetic principles of the mom and dad. You can have someone put their energy on you, into you, and all of a sudden you're thinking things that you wouldn't normally be thinking. You're feeling things that you wouldn't normally be feeling. Uh, there's this telepathic exchange that goes on all the time. There are energy vampires. There are uh, deliberate energy vampires who are stealing and taking your life energy, the energy that you're putting out, to transform it, to feed upon it, to strengthen their own spiritual practices and magical workings. I think that's probably unethical. <laughs> uh, but there are spiritual vampires that don't know they're spiritual vampires. They're stealing your energy. and You, you know, this is a person that you just feel drained every time you have to deal with them. Every time you're around them, it's just like, you ever been around those like energy hoovers? You know, those guys, that, the people that just suck the energy out of you? Uh, I remember we had a preacher come one time and speak at our church. And the number one complaint I got was I felt so drained. One lady said it was like he just sucked the energy right out of me while he was talking. And I felt so drained I had to go home and I had to take a nap uh, the whole afternoon. And so think about that. That's not, that guy, I don't know what he was doing, probably just thrilled to death that he had the opportunity to speak at our church and was probably feeding his own maybe... I don't know what he was doing, but whatever he was doing, he was taking the energy from the people without giving it back, without there being an exchange. So just like I was talking, as I'm sharing with you my thoughts, I'm sharing my energy with you. If it helps you, if it blesses you and you want to take it on, you take it into yourself, it becomes part of you, it feeds you, it strengthens you, it edifies you. And then if you comment, if you give financially... That's also an energy exchange. Man, the giving this, this last couple of months has blown my mind, blown me away at people's generosity. I brought, it, brought us to tears during this time. That is also an energy exchange. So when, when, when we receive blessing financially or when we receive encouragement, that's coming from you. That's coming from your heart. And I'm taking that energy in. And so we're constantly sort of feeding each other energetically. But when we're doing it or having it done to us and we're not conscious of it or we haven't strengthened our aura or we're not aware of our aura or we haven't crystallized our aura and we have no spiritual practices whereby we're going about doing that, we will have no power for the working of miracles. We will have no power for manifestation. And we, we, we're just, we're just going to be a mess because we're going to take on, I'm going to come back to this, we're going to take on other people's energies. So I remember learning this, being in a meeting with a group of people, and, um, and this happened to me several times, but this is when I really, really became aware of it. I was in a meeting, and we were talking about topics, uh, vision, future, all kinds of stuff, and I thought everybody was really on board. I could feel uh, that perhaps one of the persons in the room was not happy. And again, this is where you can start sensing and feeling the energy. Didn't say anything, uh, but... Um, sorry, I got distracted a little bit by the, the comments. Oh, yeah, Ben Urban, I like Anton LaVey's term. Oh, don't mention Anton LaVey on my... <laughs> Don't mention Anton LaVey on my page. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm just kidding, bro. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is, a psychic vampire, a psychic vampire stealing from you. So anyway, back to, sorry, I got I got distracted by that comment. <laughs> so 
so we're in this meeting. And I could tell this one person was not upset, but, you know, thought the meeting went well, all this stuff. And I hang around at that time. I would pray because I would be ministering um, and I would pray. And I, I remember getting a phone call from somebody and I just got so angry out of nowhere and for nothing and bit this person's head off and got off the phone. And I was just pissed. And, you know, temper is something I've had to deal with. Um, it's part of my Scotch, uh, Irish genetics. That's how I make myself feel better about it. No, I don't judge that stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily think anger is a bad thing at all. Uh, but it can become a destructive thing. It's, it's good when it needs to de destroy something destructive. But anyway, that's another topic. So I'm getting angry and all this stuff and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not from me. And so I literally could sense it like a body, like a foreign body, like a parasite inside my own aura. And then through the power of my intention, the power of my mind, because remember, we're dealing with everything, the foundation of everything, the source of everything is the universal mind, the cosmic mind, the mind of God, the mind energy of God, as our Aramaic scholars helped us discover in the Gospel of John. And we participate in that. So mind moves energy. So by my intention, by my, my imagination and my ability, because I've developed the ability to sense these things, I literally could push this energy out of my auric field and send it back to the person that it came from. I sent it back to them. Now, I sent it back to them because it's theirs to deal with. It's theirs to work on. We do not grow. We do not evolve without pressure. And one of the biggest mistakes that I made in ministry early on was compassionate energy without boundary. Compassionate, merciful energy without boundary. That just didn't want anyone to suffer, didn't want anyone to hurt, didn't want anyone to feel any pain. And so would go around... Uh, like Jesus of Nazareth, doing good and healing all, or at least attempting to, never that successful, but attempting to heal all who were oppressed of the devil without realizing that we need that pressure, we need that oppression, we need that pain sometimes to grow and evolve and change. And so that's our project to work on. Your project is whatever pressure you're facing that, that are your problems. Our problem is we take on everybody else's projects and try to fix them. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of that. So I sent it back to him because it was theirs to work on. Within 24 hours, this person called me, said I, I, I was up all night after the meeting, said I felt pretty good after the meeting. Watch what, watch what this person said. I felt pretty good after the meeting. And then when I got home, I woke up and I couldn't sleep and I wrestled and I realized I was angry all night. I was being judgmental all night. And I want to just apologize to you because I don't want this in me. And I want to apologize to you. And I want to get on board with what's going on uh, for the future. Now, what happens is, is that people, the opposite of an energy or psychic vampire is someone who burdens you with their energetic load and leaves it with you. And then you take it home with you to work on it. And then what happens is you're working on their issue. They actually feel better. They feel better. 
I feel so much better now. I feel so much better in your presence. I don't know how many ever had people tell you this. I don't know why I'm telling you this. <laughs> and they tell you all their problems. And it's not always because you're just such a gifted healer. Sometimes it's because you just got your pants down spiritually. You're just wide open for anybody to just enter. And they feel that and they sense that and they want to get rid of that. And so it's like, oh, and they give it to you. Oh, I feel so much better now. And you take it and now you're having a baby. <laughs> your baby to raise it ain't your baby to have see what i'm saying so so part of being sensitive you've got to know what's you you got to know what's you you got to know what's not you you got to know what's coming from somebody else into your field you got to and 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 listen the, the collect the collective energy if you go out right now at least in our community especially two months ago the collective energy of because of the virus and because of the shutdown and because of all that pain that everybody's feeling man the atmosphere is heavy and if you don't have any way to if you don't have a crystallized aura you're taking all that stuff into you right so i think you get the point so let's come back to so what are some things that we can do uh, the first thing I would say is is try to become more sensitive to what's happening energetically in your field. Um, I saw uh, Bar I'm going to give a shout out to Barbara Simons. Um, I see Barbara's on. Uh, if you haven't read her book from Christianity to Christ, you need to go on Amazon right now. Barbara Simons and get from Christianity to Christ. Um, but, but we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago that was so incredible helpful for me because and, and Barbara wasn't even talking to me uh, in the sense that uh, Aaron you need to do this like 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 observing something that I was doing and, and, and trying to correct it not at all but she we were just talking about some of these principles and while she was talking I saw it man I saw wow I have allowed the energy of Facebook, the energy of the media, the energy of COVID to get into my auric field and to begin to influence my thinking, to begin to influence my feeling. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Barbara. Escaping Christianity, finding Christ. Did I say escaping Christ and finding Christianity? <laughs> ah, whatever. I'll have to go back and look at what I said. But thanks for, for correcting that. Barbara Simons, Escaping Christianity, Finding Christ is one of the best books on the market right now, especially if you are going through any kind of Christian deconstruction. Highly recommend it. And Barbara, thank you, because that conversation shifted it. I was able to shift my energy. So there was that exchange again, right? She gave me something that I was able to realize, oh, wow, okay, I'm operating at an energetic level. So here's the point. Intellectually, <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen. And if I said that, I'm, I'm going to, oh, my dear, dear Jesus. <laughs> there have been a lot of people that have escaped Christ and found Christianity. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. This Facebook Live stuff is a trip. It's so much fun. Um, but anyways, what was I saying? 
uh, oh, feel the energy of it. Feel the energy of something. What's, what does this feel like? Not, not, is this concept right? Not is this information accurate? What does it feel like when I'm saying these things? What does it feel like when I'm hearing these things? What's the vibration to this? Is this where I want to be? Or is this where, uh, where, uh, uh, is this the energetic energy that I want to be putting out? And then when you're taking something in, what is the energy of this thing that I'm taking in? Is it, is it light? Is it peaceful? Is it heavenly? Is it, is it what I want to contribute to the overall makeup of my auric bodies, my auric field, and my energetic signature? that's out there. So that means becoming sensitive to subtle energies, becoming sensitive to the energy that you can feel around your body, becoming sensitive to the fact that this motion isn't just mechanical, but that I have a, a, a invisible body that is also involved in this, that everything that I do is spiritual, right? And then looking at how am I thinking? What, what am I meditating upon? What, what energy am I putting out? And if it's not something that you want to create or attract or draw into your life, so let's say that it's worry or fear, or let's say that it's judgment, then you gotta, you gotta look at that a little bit deeper and you gotta say, what is that about? Where does that come from inside of me? See, this is, this is the real spiritual work. This is cleansing. You need to take, a lot of us need to take energetic baths. We need to learn how to cleanse. And there, there's techniques that I could teach you, that I've used, but the principles are intention and mind. So I intend to cleanse my aura. So one of the things you could do is you could, you could kind of begin to feel, um, into your auric field. It probably extends further out, maybe not, who knows, but you can kind of begin to feel into it and, sort of that energetic essence that's around there. And then just mentally, you can kind of begin to just see the the filth or whatever that needs to be cleared away, just seeing it in your mind's eye and kind of begin to just go through and push all that stuff out and down and away. And the earth is a great grounding place. And so then I can, with the power of my intention, just send that stuff and ground it into the earth. and And then just... You know, kind of keep doing that. And you can go through by intention. I want to do my mental body. And, oh, there's some dark, cloudy stuff over here. You don't even need to know what it is. And you just push it out of your aura and send it down to the earth. You, uh, my emotional body, same thing. Spiritual body. And so you can go through just some kind of ritual that you do with intention, with imagination. And I would recommend with motion because your body's moving to just cleanse and get all that stuff out and away from you. And once you do that, once you go through a really thorough energetic cleansing. Now, Julie and I did this uh, a couple years ago in Arizona. And there's a guy who, uh, I forget his name, but he did a seminar. And it was an all-day seminar. And the whole point of the whole thing was cleansing your energetic body. And I remember walking away from that. And I was like, my God, I found myself again. And this is when I began to learn some of this stuff. I found myself again. I found my heart. I found my creativity, I found my sense of purpose. All that other stuff I was carrying wasn't me. So then I began to study what is me and, and began to learn 
my my auric field and learning cleansing and doing all those things. Now let's come to the working miracles. In because I, I put that in the title. In First Corinthians chapter twelve, the gift is the working of miracles. The word there for miracle there is not miracle like you and I think about it. It's the Greek word dunamis, and the word working there is energos. So we get the word energy and power from uh, energos and dunamis. So the working of miracles then is working with life and with things and with reality on the energetic plane and on the plane of its essence or the mind energy that is holding and sustaining all things or what Greg Braden calls the divine matrix, all the stuff that I gave you at the beginning. So it's working with energies. So therefore, if your energy, if you're not coming from that eternal place, remember I said that your spiritual body, your essence, the essence of everything is eternal. Your essence is eternal. Your essence exists outside of time and space. That is your higher self. And it is interwoven and the governing essence of your entire auric field or your entire aura. It's the part of you that's in Christ. Uh, if, you, if you need to look at it from a biblical perspective. And so the working then of miracles starts and operates from that place. So it's not just mental energy coming out of the mind-body, and it's not just the feeling is a secret like Neville Goddard coming out of your emotional body. The, the real essence of it, the real power of it, is coming from your own uh, divine essence, your own divine spark, the eternal part of you that decided to come here, that transcends form. Because it transcends form, because it's timeless, it can work to transform. Because it transcends form, it can work to transform. It can change things in the world of form and matter and time and space. Now, uh, just because you want something, just because your ego wants something, doesn't mean that it's something that should be or needs to be changed. It's one of the things I love about these movies, like The Butterfly Effect and some of these others, where they go back in time and they, 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 there's something in their life they want to fix. They go back in time and they change it. Or the movie Frequency, every time they change something, something bad happens. Uh, changing things in the world of time and space can be like that. For every change, for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. So for everything you think maybe you want to change, there's some negative set of circumstances that also, uh, or painful or difficult or trying set of circumstances that's also going to come with that. So be careful before you go around working miracles anyway. But suffice it to say that when your aura is clean, when it's strong, when it's crystallized, and when it's being energized by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you understand these exchanges of energy, then you can bring together your spiritual body that I talked about in the beginning, your thought body, your emotional body, and your physical actions, and align them towards that intention that's coming from that deep place inside of you. You align those intentions, and now you have, through that alignment, you have created a channel, an opening, uh, a river, if you will, for the divine energy of source, of logos, of the cosmic mind, of the divine matrix, to flow through you 
to effect change first in the unseen realm of the essence and the energies of the situation that you're dealing with. Now, that sounded, you know, they say that a good teacher can take the complex and make it simple. I seem to be able to take the simple and make it complex. It's a lot easier than it sounds. It's a lot more simple than it sounds. And I feel like I just made it sound really difficult and complex. So basically, to give you a basic example, let's say that uh, you're needing or wanting abundance right now financially in your life because of COVID or because of whatever else is going on in your life. So I need to begin within me, not working the problem from the outside in, not looking at my checkbook and my uh, paycheck and trying to make the two line up. But beginning from the inside, what is it that I want to create? What is it that I want to manifest? What is it that I want to have? And making sure that there is a strong, powerful desire or intention there. Jesus said, what so things ever you desire when you pray, you believe that you receive them. Another Aramaic uh, scholar uh, that I can't remember at the moment, but uh, I think he has a book. I think it's called The Prayers of Jesus. I, I'll, I'll try and remember to put the book in there. But he's also Ph.D. level Aramaic scholar. He says in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, uh, that it says there, ask and be surrounded by the answer and you'll have it. So I've got to create my environment to being conducive to that. So how do I do that? So I need this strong desire to have abundance flowing in my life. So I start with that. Then I think about it like it's already a reality i think about it because if i'm thinking about lack then i'm creating lack so i have to begin to think about and imagine what is abundance like what would it be like if i had abundance what kind of things what kind of thoughts would i be thinking and so i'm thinking i'm relaxed i'm not worried about paying my bills now i'm getting into the emotional body what would it feel like if i had abundance well i wouldn't be worried what would it feel like if i had enough um, for me, I'd, man, I'd really be able to relax. I wouldn't worry about my bills. Peace would come in. Okay, so I start imagining in my mind that I have those things until I get the feeling. So in my imagination, I'm seeing myself with my abundance. I'm thinking the thoughts of abundance. That's creating for me the feeling of abundance. Now I've got all four of my bodies in my auric field sending out an energetic tractor beam, if you will, that is then going to pick up on the energy of abundance and begin to draw that abundance into my life. But as I'm drawing that feeling of abundance, or as I'm drawing that abundance into my life, just be aware it might create some other problems for you. (laughs) It might create some other problems and challenges for you that you're going to have to deal with that is also then going to be part of your growth. So, uh, But if there's if there's one thing I could say that I'll leave you with, um, with this, I hope this was helpful for you. I hope this made sense. I want you to start thinking about your aura. I want you to start thinking about how you crystallize your aura, bringing, it, uh, bringing energy, your energy that you're giving off back to yourself, guarding and protecting it. Uh, how do I guard it and protect it? I don't receive that stuff when it comes into my, into my field. Uh, again, an intention, imagination is so powerful. You can imagine, uh, I'm a, I'm a professional counselor. You know, 
I would take everybody's stuff home with me. So I learned to do some rituals. Here's what I would do. I would watch the person walk out the door, and then when they left, in my mind, I would pick up the energy out of my aura, and I would give it back to them as a gift, and I'd say, here, this is yours to work on. And then I would go and I'd just wash my hands as a symbolic ritual that I was cleansing that stuff off of me. I'm going to tell you, that has changed my life as a counselor. That has made me so much more effective as a counselor. Just those simple things. That's what I mean by keeping your aura to yourself, right? We'll talk more about this stuff. If you're interested in this stuff, let me know. Uh, hope this was helpful for you. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to go back. I can't wait to go back and, and read the comments. Uh, again, uh, Barbara Simon's book, Escaping Christianity, Finding Christ. If you uh, go on Amazon and, and check that out and get that, you will definitely be blessed. So love all of you. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you, those of you that have been giving and contributing financially. Again, we'll keep you up to speed. Just a couple of uh, things before I go. We'll keep you up to speed on when we'll be gathering together again. Hopefully it will be soon. Uh, but it, it'll be soon, but we want it to be safe. And safety is our top priority. And uh, I'm just not one of those that thinks the virus is a hoax or uh, thinks our rights are being trampled on. So um, I don't feel any pressure to, to act in an unsafe, what I believe to be an unsafe way. And that's my decision. So, and it's part of my aura. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but also with Doug Wentz, um, we're going to be doing a Zoom class starting June 8th, Monday, June 8th at 7 p.m. We're going to be doing a Zoom class on the book of Revelation. Uh, Doug is going to be teaching it. It'll be $50 a class. So we'll have three classes. If you want to attend them, you can pay 50, 100, 150. But wait till I get the link up so that we know that that's what you're paying for and not just making uh, a gift. Um, available that money uh, aside from a small amount that you know uh, PayPal takes and that will take for hosting it. I mean a small amount. The rest of that will go uh, to Doug to help him and to be a blessing to him as well. But it's on the book of Revelation. It's going to be an esoteric look at the book of Re Revelation. When I say esoteric, what I mean is he's going to be looking at it not as a literal futuristic fulfillment, but he's going to be looking at it as a symbolic system that talks about who you are, uh, that talks about who you can become, and that the whole book of Revelation, the scrolls, everything, you are the scrolls that Jesus opens up that ultimately becomes the bride that comes down out of heaven. God bless you. Love all of you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, those of you that are watching at a later time. And uh, be blessed, okay?